0: Welcome everyone to the Talking Reef Podcast. Questions and comments are always welcome. Please send them to podcast at talkingreef.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.talkingreef.com. Now here's the show.
1: Welcome to the Talking Reef Podcast, the weekly talk show that brings you topics and discussion on marine and reef aquariums. I'm still your host, Wesley West. This episode is part two of Q and I'm here with Rob Weatherly. Hey, Rob. This is where you say hi.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Hi, Wes. I'm Rob Weatherly.
1: This is your first show?
0: Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not used to this. I don't. I, it's a little, I'm a little uncomfortable. I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do. So, help me out here.
1: <laughs> okay. Hopefully, you'll catch on as show goes on. Okay. I'll try. All right. <laughs> Let's get started. First, we're going to start with fluorescent lights, and then we're going to move on to metal halides. Uh, the first question on fluorescence is, should I use a 10K, an actinic bulb, or just 2 50/50 bulbs? Is this where I'm supposed
0: to answer the question?
1: I Yeah. Okay. You didn't get my email, did you? No, I guess
0: not. I didn't, I, I didn't get the memo on that. <laughs> okay, so 10K are daylight bulbs. Or actinic or and actinic bulbs and fifty fifties. Now if you don't know what fifty fifties are or what a fifty fifty fluorescent bulb is, check out the uh, lighting episode on fluorescent bulbs. I break those out and I explain how they are and how they work and how they're made. So um uh, so that kind of covers what the differences are in them. But which one should you use? A a daylight bulb and an actinic separate have some positives to them. Uh, The 50-50 is, you know, them combined in the same one, so we lose some of the effects. Now, if you have a daylight bulb and an actinic bulb separately and your fixture has separate on-off switches and separate power cords, uh, then you can utilize those and kind of set up your own um, sunrise-sunset effect. You know, again, just like we talked about last week, you can turn on the... Uh, the actinic bulb first, then the daylight bulb, then turn the daylight bulb off, then turn the actinic bulb off. Uh, So again, let's look at the fixture. Uh, Keep an eye out because some of the, for lack of better words, cheaper fixtures, they'll have two on-off switches, but only one power cord. Now this comes into play um, when you want to use a timer, because when you use a timer, you leave both switches on, but you need to have two separate power cords so you can turn them on and off at the power cord using, you know, an electrical timer. Uh, So if you only have one power cord, then you can't do a daylight uh, or a a sunrise-sunset effect, even if you have the bulbs split up into two separate bulbs. So if your equipment is set up right to do sunrise-sunset effects um, and you want to do that, then go with a 10K nectinic bulb. If you don't really care or your fixture won't allow for it, then you can go with the 50-50 bulbs.
1: Next question. What's the difference with square pin
0: and straight pin? Ah, straight pin and square pins. Now, when you look at different manufacturers, um, and I, I believe it's um, like a European style versus an American style. There's a difference in them, and uh, it, it's basically the layout of the pins. Uh, the American fixtures will have uh, a straight pin layout. So, in other words, where the ball plugs in, you're going to have a row of four pins, and it's just one, two, three, four, right in a row. In the European ones, I think it's the Europeans. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but there's this it's a square fixture and you know, a square pin, pin out. And it's essentially you know, four corners of a square. So they are not compatible with each other. You need to be aware of what you have. If you have a square pin uh, fixture, you can't buy a straight pin ball, blah, 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 blah. It's, you know, square peg, round hole, doesn't really work. <laughs> so just be aware of what you have. If you're in the U S and you know, whatever it's, you probably not going to run into it uh, too much. Uh, it's just something to be
1: conscious of for the most part. Okay. Um, Do fluorescent lights usually run hot or somewhat cold? Well,
0: when we get into um, there, there's a little bit of variance here. So let, let's break it. Let's separate a little bit. Um, normal, out, normal output, bulbs, not a big deal. They, they, they're they warm, but nothing special. Power compact fluorescents, uh, when you have a power compact hood or a fixture, like a Coral Life fixture or something like that, the ballast for those is usually inside the hood. So that adds to a lot of heat. And you'll see that these hoods often have um, cooling fans built into them, and those are used to get air moving through there uh, because they generate some heat. Then when you're looking at T5 bulbs, the ballast is usually separate. Uh, it's usually what what's referred to as a remote ballast. Uh, so you don't have the heat from the ballast, but the T5 bulbs can generate a, a good deal of heat. Uh, so, you know, again, your normal output bulbs, nothing to worry about. Power compact bulbs, um, they are going to generate heat because the ballast is in there. So make sure you have good cooling fans in there. Some of your cheaper... Um, power compact hoods—they'll come with air vents, but no fans in them. Now, can you still use them? Yes, but they get extremely hot without the fans in there. Um, that can have an effect on the life of your ballast, and it can, in the future, cause you know cause ballasts to burn out. Uh, so again, something mm-hmm. to keep in mind when you're picking out your your fixtures. Uh, and for the T5s, um, you know if you can get them with cooling fans in it, do it. Uh, but the ballasts are o- almost always remote, so you don't really worry about burning out ballasts due to heat. Uh, so I think that, that pretty much cover what you are getting at there?
1: Yeah. Okay. I good. Uh, My power compacts, when I first bought them, I noticed they were running really hot. And I actually swapped both of the fans because they were blowing in instead of sucking out. Mm-hmm. It seems like they ran a lot cooler after I turned the fans around.
0: Absolutely, just just like I mentioned in the last show, if you have one that that blows in and the other one that blows out, you get a an excellent uh, flow through there. And if they're both blown in the same direction, you know, if if you if you think about it, if you have two fans blowing in, you're going to build up a certain amount of air pressure inside there. And if you don't have a good place for it to exit you're not mm-hmm. going to, you're going to, you're basically defeating the whole purpose. I mean, you're blowing into air and once the pressure builds up, you're not going to blow that much air inside there.
1: Yeah. And like with my light, there's no, there's just the two fan holes and that's it.
0: Yep, Exactly. Exactly. Um, some I've got a, a, a Jibo fixture. It's one of those low cost fixtures that you can get <laughs> on the internet. Um, I bought it knowing that it was a cheap fixture and that it, you know, it's, it was kind of like a backup unit that I got. Um, I got it temporarily while I was setting up a, a, a tank, um, you know. And I picked up—I think I picked up two of them for less than a hundred dollars each. So, you know, and I've used them actually surprisingly. I've used them a lot just for little odd things here and there. Um, but those don't have any fans at all. They've got two holes in them, but no fans. <laughs> uh, so, when you run those things, they get hot, real hot. I mean, you almost don't even want to pick them up. Uh, they they get real hot. So, yeah, definitely something to pay attention to.
1: Um, this next question, I'm going to see if I can explain it the best I can. But let's say you have a fixture, and you have an actinic bulb and a daylight bulb, and they're separate bulbs. Does it matter if you stick the daylight bulb in the front or the actinic bulb in the front of the tank? Does that make any sense? Yeah, so what you're asking is <clears> – <throat> Not so much, and this doesn't only apply to fluorescence.
0: It 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 actually applies more to metal halides, but we'll talk about it the same way. Um, So what you're saying is, if you have your daylight bulb in the front or the back, and your actinic bulb in the front and the back, which one should you put where? Okay, so let's let's talk up in the realms of power compacts. Okay, let's say we have a 48 inch fixture that's got Um, four bulbs inside of it, equal length. You know, we're not going to talk about the shorties, the little 30-inch ones where they're offset and stuff like that. We won't go there. Um, But we have an equal length bulbs. We've got two in the front, two in the back. Now, personally, I would alternate them front and the back on each side. You can do it like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, with the Power Compact hood, it's probably not that big of a deal because the bulbs are so close together. Um, but where this actually does come into play is when you're working in uh, with the metal halide bulbs, where you've got the large metal halide fixture, you know, obviously with the reflector and everything, I mean, that's that's taking up, you know, a, a decent amount of space. Uh, so your actinic lights are farther away. Now, th- that's going to put them at the very front of your, your canopy or the very back of your canopy, usually. Uh, and this is actually where, it comes, where it's important, because um, actinic bulbs have... An important role on coral coloration and coral growth and if they're placed in the back you're gonna have your best coloration at the back of your tank and you're gonna have growth at the back of your tank if you place them in the front then you'll get it in the front of your tank you'll get growth and coloration in the front of your tank if you split them up uh, which is what I would recommend doing if you have you know when we're talking about a metal halide setup. Um, put mm-hmm. some in the front and some of the back. That way, it's it's a little bit more even. Now, just to know where I'm coming from a little bit, when I built my hood for my tank, got my metal halide bulbs. Um, it's a 48 inch hood, and I measured it out 48 inches. Um, and when I went and I got my uh, my VHO actinic bulbs, I actually picked them up used uh, from somebody, and it's like, oh yeah, okay, 48 inches, perfect. That's exactly what I need. The problem is the 48-inch bulbs don't actually fit right. <laughs> there's actually a 48-inch fixture, and there's like a 46-and-a-half-inch fixture. Oh, so from end to end, the way my, my canopy was set up is the these lights would not fit in the front after I built my hood. So I actually had to put them in the back. So I've got, if you can imagine this, I've got my canopy, my two metal halide bulbs, and then behind them are my actinic bulbs kind of on an angle pointing, you know, from the top back of the tank, you know, towards the middle of the tank, middle front. Now, if if I were to, or when I do, go behind my tank to do cleaning, and when I look through at the back of the tank, I actually have more growth from my stony corals coming off the back. And the coloration um, prior to my incident that i had the coloration Mm -hmm. these corals was a lot better on the back of the tank which really irked me uh so i'm actually looking to get another fixture and i'm probably going to do some some t5s or something in the front to balance the coloration out but that's my experience on it and it's not you know so that that's what i'm basing my 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 opinion or my advice on this from Um, equal amount if you can in a in a fixture like a t5 fixture um alternate them uh in a power compact fixture where you have a front row and a back row um if it was me i probably either alternate them or i would put my actinix in the front and again it's because actinix really have a way of making those those blues and greens and purples just really pop out uh,
1: so that's my two cents on it okay um is there anything else you can think of for fluorescent lights or fixtures or anything
0: Uh, no, uh, I think that's, that pretty much covers it. Oh, actually one thing that we might want to bring up, uh, when dealing with the power compact hoods, most of them, uh, are a lot of times you actually have to go out and buy the legs or the, the, the stands to keep, to lift them up off the tank. Um, keep Mm -hmm. an eye out. If you buy a fixture and it doesn't come with those, something to look at, you might want to get those. They can be helpful, uh, to keep that away from it. Um, You know, and just general stuff. You know, most of them have a plastic shield. Keep that clean, uh, because that can affect your your light intensity and stuff like that. But that's
1: pretty much it. Okay. Um, Well, we'll move on to middle highlight. All right. (laughs) Okay. The first question. There are a few different types of bulbs. A few. (laughs) XM. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll just name off three. Okay. Um. There's XM. Aqualine and Core Life. All three companies have single ended bulbs rated at 10K. XM is usually around $55, and Aqualine is around $70, and then Core Life is around 85 Other than the manufacturer, and I'm sure the way they are made, what is the difference, if any?
0: Uh, well, this is a hard one for me to answer, as I've been predominantly an XM bulb user. I've had um, I think it's Avalon bulbs, and I used some Hamilton bulbs for a very short period of time. Um, I would start with, you know, obviously, like you said, there, there's probably some quality differences in there. What's the huge quality difference between that $85 and a $55 bulb? Is it, a, you know, a $30 difference? I don't know. Like I said, I've been an XM user for a long time now, and I know a lot of people that use XM bulbs and have been extremely happy with them. Um, so let, well, I'm sure there's some quality differences in there. I don't know if it's $85 worth. Some other things that might be is that, you know, again, I can't answer firsthand, but we, there might be variations in the lifespan of the bulbs. Some of these other bulbs might last longer. Uh, again, I'm not really sure. <clears throat> One of the big things, uh, that's, and I can't say this is related to price. uh, but the big thing between these, these different bulbs is let's say you take a, all three of them, you have a Coralife, and Aqualine, and an XM bulb or a Hamilton bulb and an Avalon bulb, all, all of them, and line them up next to each other, all 10K, all 250 watt, and you turn each one of them on, each one of them is going to look different. Each manufacturer has their own version of what 10K is or 14K or 15K or 20K or whatever uh, temperature or spectrum it's at. They, They tend to vary. one company's 15k might look really blue like another company's 20k so one thing that that i would say here is don't buy a ball blindly know what they look like Uh, if you get a chance find somebody that's got them look at their tank see if you like that light Uh, because you might be thinking you know I want to go with a 10 K cause I want, you know, the nice bright white color with not a lot of blue. And then I want to do my blues and, actinic. Uh, and then you might go and buy a bulb. That's just, you know, even though it's 10 K it, they're really, really blue. Um, and I can't name those specific manufacturers off the top of my head, but I was um, at a guy's house picking up some used equipment he had a small tank and he had a ten K bulb on that. And I swear I you know, at the first thing I said, is that a twenty K bulb that you got on there? Because it was so blue. It was bluer than my tank with my actinics with my ten K and my two um actinic VHOs. Much bluer. Wow. Much bluer. I mean, far bluer <laughs> you know, and he said, No, <laughs> it's just there's it's just a single ten K bulb. I was like, Wow, okay. Um you know, so the point being is the biggest difference between bulbs is that I know of is the, you know, how they actually look. So if you get the chance, look at the bulbs. Um, we have a link in the Talking Reef website and the link section. There's a link to a website that actually um, breaks out. And there's, there's, uh, they said, I think what they did is they took pictures of the tank with like 10 different types of bulbs and then somebody actually took all those pictures and broke them up into this cute little uh java thing where you can select the different bulbs and you can do side by side comparisons and it's it's a really cool little thing and you can get a feel for what they look like. So uh between those two things, um you know, you really want to know what you're what you're getting into.
1: With all factors equal, do Corals in general grow faster under 10k metal halide bulbs versus 20k metal halide bulbs?
0: Okay, so let's Let's say that we have, you know, no actinic bulbs. We only have 10K versus only 20K actinics out of the picture. My understanding, although I have not done any testing, my understanding is that you'll get faster growth out of a lot of stony corals. I can't say all because, you know, I'm doing my best to, to stay general here. You'll get the better growth out of the 10K bulbs, but you won't get very good coloration. You'll get better coloration out of the 20K bulbs, but you won't get as good growth. So you're kind of going to kind of get one or the other. And this is where, you know, a lot of people think, well, the let's go with the, the 14 or the 15K bulbs because, well, they're right between the two. So it should give me the best growth and the best coloration. Well, well, that's not always true either, because your 14 and 15 k bulbs, and I don't know why exactly, um, but they're often the lowest intense, you know, intensity bulbs. So if you start measuring these at using, you know, a PAR meter, and measuring the PAR of the bulbs, you'll see the 10 k generally speaking puts out the highest PAR. The 20 k puts out the second highest PAR, and the 14 k or 15 k puts out the lowest PAR rating. Um, so when, even though your, your spectrum's in the middle, the intensity, of the bulb per watt is actually far lower. Um, I think on, uh, when you're looking at the XM bulbs, which that site that I just mentioned, uh, if I can remember, I'll put a link in the show notes for this. Um, it actually, sh- they do power ratings also. And I think the 10 K XM bulb was at like 635, uh, with a power rating of 635, uh, and the four, the fourteen or fifteen K was as low as like two hundred or two hundred and thirty. It was drastically lower. And again, don't quote me on this. We'll put the link in there and we can go there and, and look firsthand at what those ratings were. But uh the point is there's 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 a big difference. So that being said, this is usually why um the most common practice that you'll see is people using ten K bulbs supplemented with the actinics. Uh, because you're gonna get your good growth from your ten K bulb and then you're going to get your good coloration from those really really blue actinic bulbs. Um mm-hmm. and I explained color spectrum and all that on the introduction to the lighting one so I won't get into, all, you know, the differences, but um I think that's probably the best that I can do uh as far as that. I again, this is, you know, based on how I understand it right now. So um we'll leave it at that.
1: Um you might have covered this in previous shows, but do par ratings Vary from manufacturer to manufacturer. Yes, the absolutely,
0: same. they do. Um, again, when you look at, if you look at that list, um, you know, of, of that website with with all those those tests on it, you'll see that, um, from one bulb, if you take a 250 watt 10k bulb, from one manufacturer to another, the the difference
1: in power can can also be drastic too. Um, other than the color preference. What do you benefit from the various temperatures for metal halide bulbs?
0: Um, well, I, I think I've kind of covered that a little bit, and I don't know if I've covered it in past shows, but I did cover it earlier. Um, the, the biggest thing that I know of is uh, the growth patterns and the coloration of the corals. You're going to get better coloration when you have the higher temperature bulb. Um, that's probably not the best way to put it. Um, you know, to break it down a little bit, you know, if, if everybody remembers back to the show where I discussed the, the spectrum and temperatures and what it is, the higher the temperature, uh, the bluer, the light, the lower the temperatures we get down to, you know, 12 K, 10 K, 6,500 K, the more yellow it is. Uh, so when we have a 10 K ball, we've got, you know, a, a good mixture between the two the 20k bulb is going to be you know much bluer. Uh that mm-hmm. bluer light, you know as i mentioned really draws out um the color, the fluorescence in the coral pigments. Uh it brings out the blues, the greens, the purples. It really makes those colors jump out more. Uh so you know there is a difference when 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 you put those in there. So uh i, I think it's important to have uh, actinic lighting on there because actinic while it's not a 20k bulb it's very very blue it it all of its light is emitted at at that 650 nanometer wavelength so it's very blue and it it really makes it, those those colors jump out so um as i mentioned i i've seen some signs that there's some growth differences that can happen but the biggest uh thing and what well, you know you, you say color preference um you know part of that is just purely aesthetics and how your tank just looks overall but the other part is the actual coral pigment color um you know in and, and how much their their colors jump out and stuff like that and how well they'll grow so you know personally i try to mix it up and get as much of of both as i can in there so um that's my thoughts on that if i answered that
1: completely what are the pros and cons with metal halide pendants and other metal halide fixtures. Okay, so the differences
0: between a pendant and, say, a parallel fixture that you would mount in your hood. Now, the biggest differences in here are really in application and how you're going to use them. Uh, a pendant can be defined in, they, they really have two different styles. They, they can be a parallel fixture or it could be a vertical fixture. Uh, I think I discussed this on uh, the reflector show. Uh, in a vertical fixture, your your bulb, your metal halide bulb, it's usually, a, it's almost, I think it's always a single ended bulb. It's going to have a mogul socket and it's going to screw into the socket just like you'd screw a light into the ceiling. It's going it's to be vertical. Uh, and then the the reflector is wrapped around it and pointing down. Um, But you can also have a pendant light. And a pendant is really just a light that is suspended from the ceiling. Uh, And it would have like a square uh, reflector that goes around it and it it points down also. Now, the Mm -hmm. biggest difference, you know, like I said, is application. Uh, On your display tank that is sitting in your living room, you probably don't want this big old pendant hanging down from your ceiling on your tank, Uh, especially since there's uh no shroud you know no real shroud around it and it's going to be probably uh 8 to 12 inches off the surface of the water so you're going to have a lot of light leaking out of that and it's going to just illuminate your room like crazy mm-hmm. uh so pendant lights are commonly used on frag tanks on you know stuff where you, you know on your in your fish room uh, a lot of people have their tanks run down to their basement where they have frag tanks and all this stuff that's commonly where you'll see these pendants uh because they're cheaper real quick to put in place, and you know they they work good for that application mm-hmm. uh, You know the other types of fixtures like i mentioned the the parallel fixtures that you would actually mount within your hoods um you know obviously those are perfect for going in hoods. Uh, they also allow for, you know, because they're in a hood, it allows for easier application when putting in supplemental fluorescent fixtures, stuff like that, you know? So I wouldn't say, you know, there's really, you know, there, there are pros and cons, but the more important thing is what, what's the application. Uh, if a, if a hanging style light suits the application then go for it, if it doesn't, then you need to look at, you know, a parallel fixture that will go within your hood.
1: Next question. Are there any benefit to running double-ended Metal halide bulbs to single-ended bulbs? Ooh,
0: okay. I think I've, t- I think I've mentioned a little bit about this before uh, when I was doing the metal halide show. I've never used double-ended bulbs, so I, I can't speak firsthand on this. So I'm just going to kind of explain a little bit of what I do know about them. Um, they are more energy efficient. They are usually a little bit more intense, they, uh, and they usually have a little bit longer lifespan. That being said... They are also more compact. They can go in smaller fixtures. Some of the cons they are, they're more expensive generally. Getting the fixtures for them, uh, they're more expensive. They're a little bit more complicated to set up if you're going to do a do it yourself because they, um, they lack certain components that uh, a full single ended uh, mogul socket style metal halide bulb uh, does have, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So I won't go there. The biggest thing is, you know, it's actually pretty similar to the last question is is you need to look at your application. Um, If you have the room and the space for a full single-ended fixture, you know, great, go for it. They're going to be cheaper and they're going to be very effective. Uh, But if you have a compact area and you have the money and you want a little bit more, you know, a little bit more power coming out of those bulbs uh, and a little bit more energy efficient, because uh, they're all going to use electric ballasts and stuff like that, you're going to have faster startup times and so on and so forth. Then you can then you can look at the double ended bulbs. Um, I really should probably stop talking about them there because you know, like I said, I haven't used them, uh, and that's probably the extent of what I can say on it. So if anybody else has more information about the the pros and cons or the compare and contrast between single ended, double ended, uh, metal halide bulbs, um, just like before, you know, call in, you know, leave us a couple minute or, you know, voicemail or comment, and uh, we'll get that on so everybody can help learn, you know, we can help uh, learn from that.
1: Yeah, I'm interested to hear the results.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's really about the extent of it. You know, I've heard anecdotal information, which I'm not going to get into because it's anecdotal. Um, You know, but that's, you know, that's what I know off the top of my head right now.
1: Next question is, with mogul-type metal halide bulbs, is the UV protection from the outermost glass enough UB protection for my family.
0: Okay, so the real question here um when when you're comparing the single-ended double-ended metal halide bulbs, which again I explained this before, your double-ended metal halide bulb is essentially what it is, it's the arc tube from you know, so if you take the arc tube out of your single-ended metal halide bulb, that is a essentially, you know, not exactly, but that is your double-ended bulb. Now, that outer glass shield is is important on a single-ended bulb. You know, as you know, as I've mentioned, it's it's a UV shield and it's a shatter guard in case in case a bulb pops, which they do from time to time. Now, is now on a single-ended bulb where we do have this this outer um, glass casing, is that enough? Personally, I don't feel that it's I don't feel that it's enough if you're in there working all the time. The shed off light from that, just, you know, passing by, I mean, unless you're going to be sunbathing next to your tank, (laughs) I don't think it's going to cause any major problems. Um, It's something that people need to be conscious of when they're working in their tank. Um, I try not to let my arm, you know, sit there for extended periods of time. I mean, I've literally started to get sunburn on my arm. Uh, from that I mean it doesn't turn red, but you can feel it getting hot and after you pull your arm out of there it's it's got kind of that the beginning sunburn feeling on it, and it's it's not because it's so bright it's from the u v uh and you know your actinic bulbs uh and your 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 uh you know if you've got strong actinic bulbs, they can bother your eyes too uh I'm sure you know. <laughs> You just yeah. you just set those up. I mean, it's it's a common problem for people new to them because you're you're really inside there working, getting your fixtures lined up and everything working right. By the end of the time, you know, I my I had my eyes hurt for for days. It's kind of like getting when you're working with welding, you know, a welder and you get flash burn. Um, mm-hmm. it it hurts and you, you know your eyes are sore. I had a headache for three days and my eyes were sore, you know, until the middle of the next day. Uh, so definitely something to to be careful of um if you're going to have a setup where it's an open top design do it away from where people generally are you know like i said in you know in your basement in your fish room stuff like that um and in your display tanks just be just be conscious of it uh you know if you're working in there you know try to to limit the, ex- the direct exposure uh, there's not a whole lot you can do with it, you know other than that I mean make sure you're you're if it's somewhere where people are all the time use a closed hood design um so i that that probably covers it and again this is my this is my thoughts on this and you know whatever i I have not tested the u v in the surrounding areas of my tank with an open hood design so uh you know that that's just my thoughts and you know what it's better to be
1: safe than sorry <laughs> as far as I'm concerned yeah. Um, on the double ended metal highlight bulb fixtures, most manufacturers install a UV shield. Do we know how effective those are? I'm going to say that they're probably um, close to
0: the effectiveness, probably a little bit, maybe a little bit more effective. I don't really know for sure uh, than, the, than the shields on the, um, the single ended bulbs. Uh, again, I, th- I think they're probably a little bit more effective because they're generally designed in a canopy. Uh, not a canopy in a fixture, where that fixture is is generally the only thing that's going to be on top of your tank. So there's going to be some runoff of light, some some lost light through the outside. Um, again, I can't say for sure because I've never tested it. Um, but I would, if I was a if I was a gambling or a betting person, I I would I would go with the 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 double ended shields being a little bit more a little bit more safe. But again, I can't say for sure.
1: Okay. Next question for an open top for an open top design using either pendants or other metal halide fixtures, how much light gets cut from using egg crit? Is this significant or no biggie? Actually,
0: um uh, a lot of a lot of you may remember this is something that we talked about with Brian, uh Brian Plankus. Uh I think he's his name came up in last week's show. Uh, <laughs> yep. you know, uh, again in the October 2006 issue of Reefkeeping magazine, uh Brian Plankus, uh Brian is from Project Dibs. Uh he well, this is one of the things that he actually tested in there and he did some power meter or power rating testing uh with egg crate and without egg crate. And surprisingly, if I remember the results correctly, um he found that there was a a significant impact to the overall lighting with the egg crate on there. Um you know, I'm, I'm almost second guessing myself on that, but I think he said that there was I'll have to go back and look at the article. Um, but if I remember correctly, he said there was a, a pretty decent impact on it. Uh, most people usually thought, well, it's white. It should reflect everything down. Uh, but that wasn't exactly what his his results showed. So, um, you know, again, I, I'm not the one that did the testing. But for, for a definitive answer on this with, you know, testing and experimental testing and proof, um, I would recommend the October 2006 issue of Reef Keeping Magazine, Um and you want to look for the uh, the Brian Plankus article. Uh, uh, Wes, do you remember the name of the, the title of that article? It was like Fun with Light Meter or something?
1: Um, I think it was Fun Times with a Quantum Meter. Quantum Meter, yeah. Um, I would say check out
0: that article because uh, he's got all the tests and the results in there. Um, but that's what I remember from it.
1: Yeah, I'm not for sure. I think there's a Part 1 and Part 2 too, but I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, and I don't remember when Part 2 was coming out. I don't think it was on that one yet. This is probably manufacturer specific. But how do you know how far up off the water metal halide lighting should be? It's probably specific to a reflector.
0: Well, you know, there's it really depends on on the type that you have here. I know that um and I I know I answered this on the show. We had a question come in. I remember the question the, the person's name on the forums, the screen name was Dewey's dad. <laughs> and I just, sure. I remember that screen name and it just, it's stuck with me ever since. And I know he asked this question um, and I know I answered it. I just cannot remember which show it was on. Um, but anyways, yeah, there, there is, when you're dealing with the double-ended bulbs, they can be a lot closer because they're designed to be a lot closer. Um, the single-ended bulbs are almost always a lot farther back. Uh, because they most people put them in without uh a covering over them, they usually have they generally speaking they have the bare bulbs uh and you want to be careful uh you want to keep them up a little bit to keep them from collecting as much salt spray water droplets that get sprayed up from your tank you want to try to keep that off of the bulbs those bulbs burn extremely hot, and mm-hmm. you know i don't I don't know if anybody's ever done this, but uh if you've ever taken you know, a piece of ice or a piece of snow and dropped it on a, just a regular incandescent <laughs> bulb that was burning in a lamp, it shatters real quick. It just pops. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, relatively speaking, that water in your tank is cold compared to that bulb. And that, that water hitting your bulb can, in some cases, cause it to shatter. Uh, so you want to try to prevent water spray from getting there. Now, that's a whole lot of talk without really giving you an answer. So, with with your single ended bulbs with the proper shielding and a proper fixture um you know four five six inches uh you know i'd say three to six inches is probably normal for those fixtures uh with your single ended bulbs um uh, with a shield, you can probably keep them at you know four five six inches also uh without a shield, you want to back them up more, and I would say uh six to ten inches. You know, again, let's look at the intensity of the ball, the size of the tank. If you've got um, a tank that's 18 inches deep with a 4-inch sand bed and you've got 250-watt balls, well, you don't need them 4 inches away from your tank. Back them on up. 12 inches is probably fine. Uh, So, you know, again, let's look at the type of balls we're using, uh, the application for them, how deep is the tank, uh, stuff like that. So um, I think that probably covers it. Is there anything I missed on there?
1: I don't think so, um next question. how do reflectors work in a metal halide pendant? I can't even visualize how that might work um, given what you oh I'm on. sorry no they they work pretty much
0: the same way. um if you imagine the way that the reflector works in a parallel, the light bounces off and it gets reflected down. They work the same way, but you have you have to understand that they're usually the size is usually different. There are some pendants that are small, but most of your your higher high end pendants they're going to have pretty big reflectors and they they spread out pretty far uh so uh, again the concept is ex- is the exact same uh you know the the angle at which the light hits the reflector is the angle at which it's going to be bounced off so you're just going to have your reflector spread out and it's going to focus the light right right back down i mean if if you go out and look at some vertical pendant reflectors and, you know, you might have to actually have to see them in person, um, you know, but, you know, the, the design, the concepts are the exact same. There's no difference. It's just the way that they're shaped and how big they are.
1: Um, I forget which episode mentioned metal halide lighting usually needing uh, power compacts or VHO A10X exclamation. But why would this be if you could get the metal halide bulbs in the 10K and 20K ranges?
0: Okay, so, you know, basically what what we're saying here is, you know, why would you supplement if you can get 20K bulbs? Isn't that enough blue? Some of this is personal preference. Some of it is, you know, what people think is better or, and worse. You know, as I mentioned before, you're going to get your best power rating, generally speaking, out of a 10K bulb. You're going to get your best growth, generally speaking, out of a 10K bulb. But you're going to get your better coloration out of a 20K bulb. So... If you, you can't, absolutely, you can go with two 20K bulbs. In some cases, what people will do is they'll alternate. Let's say if you got a really, if you got like an eight foot tank, you might do 20, 10, 20, 10, or 20, 10, 10, 20, or something like that. And that's fine. You can do that. Um, You know, but when you're working with, you know, only two bulbs or one bulb, then what usually seems to work the best is to, you know, pick the one that you, you, you like for, from a color standpoint. I mean, if you, if you are okay with the more yellow color that you're going to get out of a 10k bulb, uh, then you choose that and supplement it with actinic light. Um, you know, but really, you know, the idea is what, like I would not mentioned before. I mean, it's trying to balance color and growth. I, honestly, that that's my opinion on it. You can ask six different people, you're going to get six different answers. This is, you know, it's worked for me. Um, th- the research that I've done, you know, shows, you know, pretty much similar stuff. Um, a lot of the stuff that was written up by by Eric Borman shows you know very similar stuff. You know the fact is is there's no I cannot cite you know any paper that says specifically which one is better. so for any for anyone including me to say this is the best way to do it, it's not true. It's might be the best way that I've done it so far. I haven't tried every possible combination. You know, one of the, the good things that you could do is try to find somebody who's got a tank similar to what you want to set up, and then just mm-hmm. try to, you know, duplicate it and see, see how it works for you. Uh, you can make a variation on that here and there as you choose, but, you know, it's...
1: Okay, say I go with a pendant metal halide fixture. What would be the best way to supplement actinics?
0: Yeah, that's, that's you know, a, a sticky situation for people, Um that do frag tanks and whatnot. Um, You know, again, this is commonly why you'll see these pendant fixtures in the basement, because what people will often have to do is do a pendant-style fluorescent fixture. Um, And what you can do here is something like the Tech T5 hoods that are actually uh, made to be suspended from the ceiling also. Um, You can use those um but the idea the general idea is you're going to have to have a pendant style fixture for your supplemental lights also.
1: I think that's it for the metal halide questions.
0: Yeah, I I think we probably um hopefully answered a lot of questions that people had about metal halides. Uh and mm-hmm. a, again like anything else if you got more uh head over to the forums talkingreef.com post response to this this question. Or a response to this episode, uh, we'll see if we can get some more questions answered for you if you have them, um, or call them into the comment line, the voicemail line. Um, we'll we'll get them on. We'll try to get them on the show and get them answered for you. Uh, is there anything else before we wrap up this week's show, Wes?
1: Um, we answer all of your questions.
0: See.
1: Yeah, yeah, Good. I had a few in there.
0: All right. Well, you know, I know that you just set up. Uh, and, you know, this is your first time with metal halides, and you just got them set up. Has everything been going good for you? Do you have any tips that you have recently discovered that you want to pass on to anybody that you've kind of learned because you just did it?
1: Other than um, don't stare at the, the balls. Only, <laughs> yeah, I think I still have a headache
0: from that. <laughs>
1: um, the only thing I can say is if you're building a hood, be very selective about the the wood that you buy to build it with as I was forming my first hood it just kind of went in a different direction that's when I noticed that a minor little warp can create a lot of problems yep
0: that's especially on something
1: you're trying to make look really good yep
0: yep and you know depending on how you're building it and how you're setting it up the type of the type of wood and the quality is important i mean you might not want to use cheap particle board you might want to you know pay a couple extra dollars and get a good quality piece of plywood or you know, if you're using that, or you know, just other you know lumber, fit, whatever you're working with. So, yeah, it's a good point. Oh, you mm-hmm. know what? And one thing I that I don't think we brought up at all is when you're doing a DIY hood. Um, what do you do with the inside? Do you paint it? Um, did you ah. did you did you do anything with the inside of yours?
1: I treated it actually. Well, that's that. I treated it with um, like deck sealing sealant. That we had left over.
0: Great, great. And that's that brings up two really good points. Um, salt water is extremely, extremely corrosive. Anybody you know, anybody that's had a tank for any period of time knows this already. Um, it is extremely corrosive. Uh so mm-hmm. having it treated, as you mentioned, is, you know, a very good thing to help preserve the wood. Now, something else that you can do is, you know, after you treat it, is you spray paint it and um The information I had found, and this is actually what I did with mine, is you spray paint it flat white. Now, originally, I would have thought that to do it gloss white, but I actually found – I didn't find a reason why, but I found a lot of people that had said, you do not want to spray paint it gloss white. You want to spray paint it flat white. Um, I can't answer exactly why. Um, You know, I would think that the gloss would be more reflective, but I don't know. Uh, so I actually spray painted mine with a flat white, um, which I guess brings up the second point is don't spray paint it, (laughs) (laughs) um, use, get a small can of paint and a brush and do it because you'll go through 10 cans of spray paint, um, versus one small can. If you use a brush because it just, because of the way it were, oh my God. Uh, yeah, that was my mistake is I, I tried to spray the first time I tried my, I did it with spray paint. Yeah. Not a good (laughs) idea took too long and it it doesn't lay down a thick coat so anyways those are some two two great points that are brought up anything else that you've you've run across that you want to throw out
1: um not that i can think of it went fairly easy i had i remounted my ballast a few times But that was about it just finding a place to put it that i was Happy i with? felt safe yeah. letting it run yeah
0: awesome all right. Well, um, again, uh, last week and this week, uh, both, I want to, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on, on the show, help me with the, the Q and a show. Uh, you've been a great help gathering up the questions and helping putting this stuff together for, uh, for the show. So, uh, I appreciate the help and no problem. I thank you for having me anytime. And hopefully we'll, we'll get you back on the show sometime to help out in the future. Um, I mean, I mean, Maybe next time you can you can come back on your show, sir, and <laughs> maybe you'll let me do the show again. <laughs> um, anyways, okay well, uh, thanks a lot and uh, we'll uh, see you on the forums. Thank you.